Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company and our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mysteries the sequel by Jeffrey Deaver, read by Perry F. Bruns. The manuscript was authentic. Lowell sighed and offered in a weak voice, I'm sorry, but somebody stole an important piece of literary history? Who? Why? Stoddard gave a sour laugh. Jesus, Frederick, aren't you missing something? I mean, with all respect to Dad, it's only a book. Frederick Lowell didn't represent any mystery and thriller writers, which he always regretted because he passionately loved crime novels, believing that the authors were not only among the best storytellers, but were the most disciplined and least self-indulgent of writers, unlike many of those who penned literature. So it was with great pleasure that he was allowed to come along to the arrest of the perp who'd broken into his office the week before and stolen Anderson's hope. The Pennsylvania State Police Detective, a nice crew-cut young fellow named Bryn, 
decided it was the least he could do since Lowell was responsible for the information that led to the impending arrest. Though, in fairness, it was Stoddard Goodwin's comment, seemingly disparaging about Cedar Hills being only a book, that was the flash of brilliance that led to the unraveling of the mystery. Why, indeed, did Lowell assume that the thief was after Anderson's hope? Could he not have been after something else in the carton delivered to Asheville and forwarded to New York? The answer was yes, and to learn who was behind the theft, one needed only to consider the one person he'd mentioned the sequel to who had no interest in it, Dr. Samuel Coe. Lowell had contacted New York City, Bucks County, and Pennsylvania State Police officials and reported that he believed Dr. Coe had stolen the carton because he was afraid it contained information about the death of his mother many years ago, a murder that the Sam Spade within Lowell now believed the doctor himself had committed. Detective Brin decided to look into the case and reviewed the transcripts and witness reports from the original investigation. He tracked down family members and friends who were still alive. He discovered that while Mary Coe, herself a bit unhinged, did nag her mentally ill son a great deal, the pressure on John didn't compare to the abuse she put her other children through. Tiger Mom on steroids was how Brynn described her. A family friend reported one incident in which she whipped young Samuel with a lamp wire for secretly listening to a ball game in his room when he should have been studying for a test. His younger sister, too, endured much the same treatment. The detective speculated that teenage Samuel had snapped and either talked his brother into killing the woman and then blamed him for it, or killed her himself and made it appear that John was responsible. As for the theft of the manuscript, records revealed that Samuel Coe had traveled to New York City at 8 p.m. on that day and took the last train back to Bucks County. Security cameras showed him arriving at Penn Station without a carton in his possession but leaving with one which Lowell said looked much like the box that was stolen from the law office. The implication was that Samuel believed the box, with its pages of notes on the crime and possibly even the manuscript itself, contained information suggesting that Samuel, not John, had murdered their mother. A warrant was issued in Pennsylvania to search Dr. Coe's house, and Frederick Lowell had practically begged Bryn to bring him along. Lowell wasn't permitted inside, of course, as the warrant was being executed, there might be gunplay, the police said, though Dr. Coe was in his late 60s and it didn't seem he was much of a threat. Lowell waited in the car a half hour before the portly, balding doctor was led out in handcuffs, his face ashen. There'd been no resistance. Detective Brin joined Lowell beside the squad car. He gave a grin. He confessed, sir. Got him cold. Lowell asked, what happened? Did he talk his brother into the crime or kill her himself? Did it himself. He stabbed her to death and then called his brother into the room and handed him the knife, started screaming, why did he do it? John was in a delusional state then and probably believed that he had killed his mother. Bryn then nodded toward the house. We've recovered what he stole. Could you identify it, please? Be happy to, Lowell said. This was, of course, the real reason he'd wanted to come. Not to watch the arrest, but to talk the police out of one of the manuscripts of Anderson's Hope. They probably wouldn't need both of them for evidence. They walked through the house and then out the back door. Bryn nodded to another detective who approached with a small plastic bag in a blue-gloved hand. Sir, is this the mailing label of the box that was stolen from your office? Lowell's face fell. Sir? He whispered, it is. But my God, 
Inside the bag was a three-by-four-inch scrap of paper scorched on all sides. Lowell looked behind the officer and found himself staring at the red-brick barbecue pit. He walked, staggered really, to it and looked down at the grill. Is this... Did he burn it? Did he burn everything? The forensic cop said, That's right, sir. Some of the carton itself survived, like the label. But everything else, a couple of thousand sheets of paper, I guess, is gone. Sometimes the crime lab boys can find writing or images. Not with this. It's as fine as flour. Staring at the gray mound in the barbecue, Frederick Lowell thought of a more appropriate simile. As fine as ash in a funeral urn. Thank you, detectives, for listening to tonight's Calm Mystery by the Murder Mystery Company. I'm Perry F. Bruns. Would you like to show somebody you care? Is there a mystery fan in your life? Couldn't they use a quiet moment and a great story? I'm doing personal stories of 20 minutes or less. Something personal like this can make a friend or family member feel truly loved in an otherwise dark time. They're only $49, and you can email me at calmmystery, that's C-A-L-M mystery, at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay tuned for more tales to tingle and terrify while giving you a needed break from the outside world. <laughs>